0: Hi, I'm Kurt and this is Gigging Stories. When I was coming up as a musician, one of my favorite parts of gigging happened when we took breaks. The older musicians would stand around and tell funny stories about things that happened on gigs. Most of the world doesn't get to experience this rich and hilarious part of music making. So I created gigging stories. Each episode features a guest and me swapping stories from gigs. So enjoy. And if you have a story to tell, please send me a message. my guest this episode is Bonnie Kramer. I first met Bonnie back in the late 90s as a student at the University of Tampa in my theory class, and she's gone on to uh, a big career where she's been in the international cast of Mamma Mia. If you saw the last national tour of Into the Woods, she was um, Jack's mother and Cinderella's mother is that right yeah and and she also played bassoon and most importantly you could have recently seen her performing with the Imperial Symphony of doing comedy and singing and playing the bassoon and playing and even singing a medley of two Hanukkah tunes that I wrote so if you have orchestral connections you need to book her for one of those things and Bonnie's (laughs) going to tell us a story about a gig (laughs)
1: Thanks for that shout out. Uh, Also, I just want to mention, I love the intro music to this podcast.
0: It's from my cello sonata. And I just reworked it. I was like, of course you
1: wrote it, but I didn't know where it came from. It's
0: from my cello sonata, but I kind of reworked it and made it a little more.
1: It's great. Very like NPR, cool (laughs) intro to the podcast music. Uh I love it. (laughs) Yeah, so I was like thinking of all the different gigs I've done, which has been a lot. And I've done a lot of like weird freelancer type gigs. Um, But the one that comes to mind, <laughs> so I've lived in New York a good long time now, over 10 years. But when I first moved there, I was in my 20s. And of course I came to like make it big on Broadway and, and uh, do the whole theater scene. But I was also interested in doing like, you know, little gigs on the side here and there, whether it was bassoon or maybe, you know, like singing in a club. I love jazz, that sort of thing. And at the time uh, my boyfriend, was there, John, you know John, and he had moved to the city as well to study composition at NYU Uh, and he was a great guitar player, great piano player, and so we would look for little like duo gigs around the city and he was pretty good at finding things on Craigslist.
0: I don't think I've ever booked a gig off Craigslist.
1: (laughs) Yeah, don't. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: times were hard well and
1: actually at that time i guess craigslist was kind of like the the it thing mainly for like selling furniture but not for gigs but he would Uh he would kind of you know he'd he'd go on there and just search and see what's around and um because all all good gig stories come from craigslist
0: (laughs) (laughs) i actually have one but yeah
1: yeah i'm sure you do it's
0: not my gig but somebody else's but yeah
1: (laughs) So he, he found this one. And he was like, yeah, you know, it's, this it's this guy. And he, he wants to surprise his girlfriend at this restaurant. Like they're going out to eat or something. I don't know what it is. They're having dinner and he wants us to like come in and play some Beatles songs. Cause she really, she loves the Beatles. And he th- thought, you know, that would, that would be a really sweet thing to do for his girlfriend. I was like, Oh, okay. Like, is there, is there a purpose or just like just go in and serenade her or kind of like a singing telegram or like, what, what are we talking about? And of course there wasn't a lot of info, but, I agreed to do it for, I don't know, it might have been like a hundred bucks at the most, probably not even that. And uh, and so John was going to play guitar and I was going to sing. And I, I think the songs, I know the in, the last song was In My Life, mm-hmm. which of course is great. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think the other one was Blackbird, if I remember correctly. It was just those two songs.
0: Because and... whenever you want to woo a girl, you sing a song about... <laughs> About social injustice. <laughs> that's
1: right. Well, it depends on the girl, I guess. I guess
0: so. That's right. Because <laughs> I
1: would actually love that. That's right. <laughs> When'd you hear that? You know that first guitar riff in Blackbird? Yeah, My heart melts. So, yeah, right. so I was like, oh, okay, cool. These are these are good. These are good choices. And so, you know, we agreed to do. It. I basically we would have said yes to anything. It was you know for the experience and fun. And so. You know, we kind of got our little, you know, set together and the guy was like, no, listen, like it's a a small restaurant, like you're going to come in, but I want you to just, you know, just walk into the restaurant, like ready to go. Like don't, you know, don't come in and take the guitar out. Like if you could just walk in, walk up to the table, start singing. (laughs) I was like, yeah, that's cool. That's fine. I'm used to that. You know, like the curtain opens and then Mm -hmm. you go, right. Uh, John not to, John got nervous about things and I usually had to coax him into stuff more than he had to coax me into things. And uh, but we were kind of down, you know, and we worked on our little set and and uh, I remember it was it was this cute little like it, French restaurant in the Lower East Side. And it couldn't have sat more than, I don't know, 30, not even maybe 30 people at the most. And so I remember we got there. And, you know, I was like kind of like getting ready, like doing my hair, or whatever. And John gets his guitar out on the street and, you know, he's tuning it and, you know, making sure we're like, we're good to go. We had practice our, our tunes we're like, oh yeah, I want to help this guy woo this girl. And, mm. you know, and uh, so we walk, we, you know, we go when we walk into the restaurant ready to go and the, the hostess first of all the, the, the guy that had hired us did not tell anybody he didn't tell the restaurant owner or the hostess or anybody oh. that we were doing this so that was oh. number one
0: <laughs>
1: so we came in with john with his guitar on and i'm ready and the hostess was like oh you know can i help you and and we're like, oh, actually, and, you know, we caught eye with, the, we actually didn't know what he looked like. He was just like, I'll catch your eye. You'll know it's me <laughs> because, like, I'll be sitting there and I'll be sitting with my girlfriend and, like, I'll catch your eye. And then, like, when you catch my eye, just, like, walk over and start doing it. But the restaurant, of course, didn't know we were doing this. And so we kind of had this little awkward moment with the hostess. And then we caught the eye of the guy and the girl. And I got to say, from the very beginning, I could tell the girl was not having a good time. (laughs) Didn't matter. We were going to go over and serenade her. Maybe we were going to like make her day, make it bright. (laughs) So we walked over and, you know, I started, we started with Blackbird. We did Blackbird. And I'd say like, oh, I don't know. In the first 15, 20 seconds or so, she was not having it. I could tell she was like half embarrassed, half kind of disgusted. (laughs) So we just keep going, keep going. I was like, man, is this guy going to call it? Like, he's giving us the money. Like, I'm not going to call it. I'm not going to be like, dude, read your girlfriend's face. Stop, stop this abort mission. (laughs) Send the musicians out of the restaurant. So he's just like, he was kind of just like still excited. He was like in it. And so we finished Blackbird. And then I was kind of like waiting, like looking at him like, okay, are we still doing this? And, you know, John was getting really nervous. Cause I could tell because he knew it wasn't going down well. And so the guy's like kind of looking at us like, you know, next, you know, like <laughs> in my life, here's, here's like the, this is going to coach the deal. And then <laughs> I think it was like the solo, you know, <laughs> you know, in the middle where it's like, da 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 so john starts playing whatever version of that he can on the on the guitar and the guy pulls out a ring oh no gets down on one knee i we didn't know this was we did not know this was a proposal and i was like no no don't do it and i'm just like I'm like watching it. John's playing the solo and I had to like come back in.
0: <laughs>
1: this girl was, I, I, I was like, she's either going to walk out or right. she's going to cry or, uh, you know, and I just kept singing and smiling. Meanwhile, the restaurant owner who didn't know we were doing this was like, I could tell there was something weird going on in the back. And like the hostess and the restaurant owner were talking like they didn't like that we were in the restaurant. And everybody who was sitting around was watching this and how awkward it was. And there was no like, yeah, you know, like how people get when they see a proposal or they, right, they take right. out their phones or whatever. It was none of that because like everybody knew except for this poor guy. So I was like, I don't know. I it was like, in my life, I love you more. <laughs> and she didn't, she didn't, Say anything.
0: Oh, just silence? She
1: didn't say anything. And she was just like, had a, a frown in her forehead. And then the restaurant owners escorted, they basically pushed me and John out of the <laughs> restaurant.
0: <laughs> it was just
1: awkward on all <laughs> accounts. And the guy who hired us, like, he. They like, they basically got us to leave the restaurant and then, and he came out to pay us. And I remember it was like a little envelope and it had, I don't remember the amount. It might've been a hundred bucks and it had cash and a joint. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember John and I said, we're like, you know what, man, (laughs) just keep this, keep this. You need it more than us. (laughs) and he yeah. <laughs> tried
0: to pay you in drugs <laughs> that's yeah he, that's he funny
1: did. <laughs> he, he did and we didn't yeah and we didn't take it and to this day like i feel so bad for that guy i really do
0: he went all out okay <laughs> <laughs> uh. this one um i get a call to play in an industrial gig and if you're listening to this and you're not a musician an industrial gig is like when a corporation or something is having an event and they they hire musicians for entertainment and the way it works in florida at least at that time all the gigs because of the power of disney got booked out of orlando so this this booking agent from Orlando calls me. I was living in Tampa at the time, and he says, "Look, I need you to play this uh, gig at the Ritz Carlton in Naples with Smokey uh-huh. Robinson. It's an uh-huh. industrial gig, and he's got his own band, but he likes to supplement it with some some local musicians for some extra parts." Now, at that time, I had a lot of gaps in my musical education as far as like. Um, popular music was concerned so I call uh, my wife and I'm just like I just booked a gig playing with somebody <laughs> named Smokey Robinson I think he's somebody isn't he and she's like she like loves so she's like Smokey you're gonna play with Smokey Robinson she's yeah. like I'm gonna be your roadie for the gig I'm gonna carry uh-huh. your stuff so the day comes and we drive down to the Ritz Carlton in Naples And in this case, it was like an annual shareholders meeting for uh, an insurance, a national insurance company or whatever. Uh I have to get there early and go to the rehearsal. I'm thinking we're going to like read the charts down with the band, but it's not that. And we show up in the ballroom where the rehearsal is. There are eight string players from Orlando, and they're all like set up together. And Uh then there's a chair for me Mm -hmm. at the keyboard, and then my friend Pate, who's a saxophone player, is set up. And then there's the music director who's got a drum machine that he's using as a metronome. And uh-huh. that's it. Yeah. And so they pass out the charts and we start reading them down. But it's really weird because there's not a band playing. Uh-huh. You know, there's, there's just sometimes the strings are playing by themselves and sometimes we're playing together. And sometimes there's just 20 measures of rest and we're listening uh-huh. to the drum machine. And you know, the music director, who was the pianist on the gig, uh, the first thing he says to me is, "Look, I don't want you to play with your left hand at all because it gets too muddy with the bass player and stuff like that." And now, at the time, <laughs> I had just spent the last twenty-five years learning how to play the piano with two hands. <laughs> with both hands, <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> so I was finding it difficult because the way these charts were laid out, at least for mine, you know, it was some of it was like written-out notes. Mm -hmm. And some of it was just chord changes, Uh and and some of it was just rest. It would switch back and forth between all of these. So sometimes since I had been doing it for 25 years, you know, sometimes when I saw like a G over F or something like that, I would reach up and like accidentally play the F like, with my yeah. left hand yeah. and the dude had huge ears and every time I did it he would stop the rehearsal and turn and look at me and be like what's your problem I, I told you not to use your left hand for any reason at all don't do-. uh-huh. and like he heard it every time I did it would stop the rehearsal for 30 seconds just to yell at me and I wound oh, up God. playing the rest of the rehearsal like sitting on my left hand but even in the written out parts like when, when, if I missed an eighth note rhythm, like one time on the first read through, he'd be like, yeah. he'd stop the whole rehearsal again and turn to me and be oh like, God. what's your problem? Can't you read an eighth note? Who are they hiring for these gigs and stuff? And um, a- after we finished the rehearsal, uh, you know, my, my buddy Pate is like, look, man, I played a gig with Steve Allen and he rode the pianist the whole time like that too. So just don't worry about it. And we had to go in and get set up for the sound check anyway. Yeah. So we drag in to the stage, and uh, uh, um, I take my rig in there. And the way they have us set up is, the strings are on a raised platform at the back of the stage, right, and. Pate and I are on this raised platform at the very back of the stage left. And then his band is setting up in front of us and then he's gonna be, Smokey's gonna be way up on the front of the stage. So we get set up, we're doing a sound check, and one of the uh, like backstage sound guys or the guitar tech or maybe that's the same person comes up to Pate and I and says, look, you guys both have solos. Uh-huh. So I need to take your names down so that you can be announced as soloists. And so he gets a three-by-five card out, and he writes our names down, and then we finish soundtrack, we go off, I have to play standards during dinner, and then, you know, people think it's, like, cool to play these gigs, but you don't actually meet the star, like, you start playing the first tune, he comes on the stage, the most I saw of Smokey Robinson, he's, like, 20 feet downstage from me, I see his butt the whole time, basically, but the cool thing was, once you know they called it they they count that first number and and you have like the bass player playing and the drums and all that it was very easy to tell where we fit in with everything yeah. and it wasn't hard like in the rehearsal when you didn't know where everything was and even the guys that were in this permanent band said to us afterwards and we play with a lot of guys but you guys were the some of the best that we played with in a long time uh-huh. but anyway they didn't give us a set list uh-huh. they just gave us the charts and they're just like play through the charts in the in the order that they go and the third song m is this song called being with you that starts with a saxophone solo it goes Uh like it's really loud intro when the saxophone and i'm looking down and where i'm sitting i can see the set list on the floor so uh-huh. I pull up my third chart and it's being with you. And I see that it's the fourth song on the set list on the floor, but I don't uh-huh. know what to do because they have a different song for the third song and the music director, I do what I always do. when I don't know what to do. I do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, <laughs> what happens.
1: I'm, and I'm a fan of that.
0: Right. So the music director counts it in. And Pate's there next to me, and he, in like ultimate confidence, goes, bah, 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 bah. Yeah. and it's a completely different song, and a different key, and a different feel. <laughs> and the, the guitarist and the bass player and all the backup singers immediately turn around. And they're like, Shh, shush, 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 no. Yeah. And so yeah. he stops, and then they get through that number. And then the next song, then they turn around. They're like, now you do it, now you do it. So then they yeah. counted in, and we're on song number four. And Pate goes, "Ba ba 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 and it's all grooving along. Yeah. And the music director has written out a saxophone solo in the middle of this one. And Pate's an amazing player, so the saxophone solo starts, and all the lights go down on the kind of front of the stage, and a big spotlight comes up right next to me, and it's shining on Pate, and he's wailing away, and the crowd is totally into it. Yeah. And for the first time, I look downstage, and Smokey Robinson has turned around. Uh huh. and he's reaching in his pocket and he pulls out that three by five card and the solo is going on and then you can tell like the crowd is getting more and more excited and he gets to the climax of the solo and he's playing really loud yeah. and the crowd like bursts up in applause and the lights come back up on Smokey Robinson and he kneels down on the ground and he sticks his finger out and he points at Pate and he goes Kirk connect on the saxophone ladies and gentlemen Kurt, connect <laughs> on the saxophone <laughs> And and I leaned over to Pete right afterwards, and I'm like, "Man, I promise I'm not gonna mess up on my solo when you get introduced."
1: (laughs) 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 So then, did he introduce? Did he do that when it when you played your solo? He
0: did. Well, what he did was like when I played my solo later, um, and we finished that song. He said. Um I made a little mistake
1: earlier. Oh, oh I wow. Mean,
0: so he actually caught it later on about 30 minutes later than anybody ever. I don't always tell that part of the story cuz it's not it's funny. funny. You know, <laughs> I like to leave it <laughs> at the end, but it was funny cuz he just went down to one knee and was so excited about it.
1: Oh man. <laughs> I yeah, that's funny because I actually University of Tampa when I graduated, I sang the national anthem. And at the end of the national anthem, the president came up and said, Thank you, Monica. That was lovely. (laughs) And to this day, my grandparents are so mad about that. (laughs) About you, Monica. Yes. (laughs) And my grandfather, in particular, I mean, I can't say how many times my grandfather's like, Now, why? how could he get that wrong to the point where I've I've signed birthday cards as Monica to my grandparents because they were so upset about it that's funny but hey for Smokey Robinson you got your name called out by someone pretty great for two, two times that's right two times totally I love it oh man that's very cool